Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Um, able to overcome anything that we may be going through. In fact, it's not just about us, but it is about um, those that we are connected with one way or another, whether believer or unbeliever. The Lord wants to work through each one of us in the coming uh, days and weeks and months, should the Lord tarry years uh, before his return. And the Lord wants to work through you. Tonight, uh, I want to continue on the, the, this series that I've been doing on Wednesday nights entitled The Word, and um, I want uh, to uh, tonight talk about the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and I want to talk a little bit about using the Word, using the sword of the Spirit, and... Uh, the fight that we're fighting is uh, not against flesh and blood, and I'm realizing that more and more as time goes on the last few weeks. I've recognized that very clearly, that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And uh, tonight I want to first establish the power of, of obeying the Word of God. And we're going to see this uh, from the Old Testament. And uh, so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1. And uh, we're going to be looking at this passage, interesting passage uh, of, a, of two kings. And just to give you a little bit of background, these kings were not good. They were not good kings, both of them. They were not good kings. And uh, the ones, well, the one king, his name was Jeroboam, or Jeroboam. The other, other king's name was Abijah, and or Abijah. And uh, if you reference this passage in Second or First Kings, uh, the name, the king, the name of the king was Abijam. So Abijam and Abijah, same king. All right. So we're going to be reading the account from Second uh, Chronicles chapter 13. So these kings are not good, neither of them. They're not really good kings. Uh, there's two kingdoms that are part of this, this story, uh, this part of history. And uh, one of them is called Israel or is the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom is called Judah, all right? So you might say, it wasn't Judah part of Israel? They were. And at this time, they are, the northern kingdom is one generation removed from the kingdom being together. So Solomon with David, for, with Saul, with David, and with Solomon, these three kings, one after another, the whole kingdom was together as one. The, the nation of Israel was one kingdom. All right? 
after Solomon, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, took over, and there was a questioning of the fact that that the there was a heaviness on the people because of the taxes under Solomon, and so they were saying, "Hey, is there a possibility of lifting some of these this this financial burden?" And so the advisors, the old advisors that Rehoboam, King Rehoboam had, said, you know what, King Rehoboam, you really should ease off, ease off on the, the weight that was on the people. Like things were good, but there was a, there was a weight on them financially especially. And so... That's what the, the older advisor said. And so they, he says, give me three days and we're going to discuss. We'll come back and we'll let you know what's going to happen. And so the young advisors that the king, Rehoboam, had said, you know what? You tell, especially the northern or these ten tribes to the north, you tell them that if you thought that you had a heaviness, um, on you, it'll be nothing compared to what I'm going to do to you. Like it's going to, like the, the advice was the exact opposite. And as a result of that, the northern kingdom or the ten tribes separated and they took as king this man called Jeroboam. And the Lord had brought him to this place to take the northern tribes and yet, this man, even though God had spoken to him and, and uh, had brought him to a place to take these northern tribes away from uh, King Rehoboam, the man was not a good man. The king was not a good king. And so, uh, Rehoboam now has passed away. Jeroboam, Jeroboam is still in power of the northern kingdom. And there's a new king that is put into place and this is the Abijah that is we're going to read of in a moment, okay? And just so, just so you know, Abijah, when in First uh, Kings, it talks about him not being a good king. He did that which was wicked in the sight of the Lord. However, the the only difference in this account, there's only that chapter and. In, in Kings and First Kings, and this chapter in Second Kings, and I think it's a little bit in chapter fourteen, uh, that talk about Abijah. The only difference is this: is how he dealt with the battle that came up. All right, and we're going to look at this. You might say, "What does that have to do with us today?" And I'm I'm saying to you, grab a hold of the word. I was uh, with somebody, a very young man, yesterday. And I was very surprised. He said, by the time I was 13, I had a very great interest in history. And by the time I was 15, I really was trying to understand uh, the history of civilizations and how uh, they reacted to different things, and especially, especially religion. I thought, wow, that's pretty good from a 15-year-old. Wondering about history. And I want to say to you today... The Word of God is full, especially the Old Testament and even the New Testament is historical 
accounts. And we see generation after generation. You can read of entire generations and the actions they took. And I would say to you tonight that do not make the mistakes of those that went before you. For goodness sake, don't make the same mistakes. Learn from history. You don't do the same thing when they do the wrong thing. So let's, let me just read quickly through this. We'll pull out a few things. Then we're, I want to continue on about the word and using the sword of the spirit. So in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Abijah became king over Judah, which also included Benjamin. So there is 10 tribes to the north under King Je uh, Jeroboam. And there were two tribes under King Abijah, which was Judah and Benjamin. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. That was it. Just three years. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men. And Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. Just out of curiosity this morning, I decided to Google how many were our Canadian armed forces, how many people are part of the Canadian armed forces. And according to Wikipedia, there's about 103,000 that belong to the Canadian armed forces as either full-time or reservists. I thought, okay, so these two armies that, that lived like 3,000 years ago, this battle's taking place about 3,000, around 950 or so BC, all right? About 950 BC, their armies are like, the, the smaller of the two armies are like four times the size of what our Canadian army is right now. And the northern kingdom was 800,000. So one kingdom, Jeroboam's kingdom, is twice the number of Abijah's kingdom. And I like what <laughs> it says for both of them. It says for Abijah, there was 400,000 choice men, valiant warriors. And for Jeroboam, he also drew, or he drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, like these were the best of the best, mighty men of valor. So you have two armies here. These guys were experienced when it came to warfare. And Abijah stood on Mount Zamoraim, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, and said, Hear me, Jeroboam, and all Israel. So here there are over one million men and those that would come and, and be around possibly to watch this battle that's going to take place from all of Israel, from both sides, the northern and southern kingdoms, both of them. So there's over a million men that are going to do battle. People were going to die. And here this king begins to speak. And he speaks to Jeroboam in the northern kingdom. And he says, 
Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by covenant of salt? Don't you know this? That the kingdom was given to David. And this is the kingdom that we represent, this Judah and Benjamin. We represent that kingdom. And it was Lord, the Lord God of Israel that gave dominion over Israel. And there's this looking back at history. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you at this point in time, we need to look back when it comes to how we deal with things today. Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his Lord, saying, we're not going to be under David or his offspring or Solomon. Or, and it's always re referring back to, to David, who was a, a king of righteousness. He did that which is right in the eyes of the Lord, except for one thing, and that was regarding Uriah. Then worthless rogues gathered to him, to Jeroboam, and strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and inexperienced and could not withstand them. In fact, when Rehoboam came against Jeroboam, or they were going to come against, he only had a, a, a number of 180,000 men. He didn't have even 400. He had 180,000. That was just a number of years, a few, a few decades, or not even before. And so he, the prophet came to King Rehoboam and says, you, you better not go to battle against this northern kingdom of King uh, Jeroboam. So he, re, he retreated. He listened to the prophet, and he didn't go against them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hand of the sons of David, and you are a great multitude. And with you are the gold calves, which Jeroboam made for you as gods. You might say, what are these gold calves? There were two gold calves that were fashioned. Because the worship was supposed to be in Jerusalem. They were supposed to meet in Jerusalem to worship at different points in the year. And so Jeroboam says, you know what? I, I'm going to set up a place of worship because otherwise I'm going to lose uh, people in worship and they're going to join in with, the, with King Rehoboam and at this point King Abijah. And so two gold calves were fashioned and one, I guess, in the northern part in Dan and the other one uh, in, uh, I think it was Ephraim. And so they were put in these places so that people could come and want worship. And he, he set up this day of worship that would be opposed to the one that was in Jerusalem. And that the people would come and they would worship these calves. They'd bring their worship to the calf, calves. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made for yourself priests? Like the peoples of other lands, you just appoint. So that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of things that are not gods. To worship these idols. So this is, the northern kingdom is going according to their own flesh. They are not going according to the word of the Lord. Even the, the, the priests and the Levites were dismissed 
a number of them actually defecting and going from the northern ten tribes and coming into uh, Jerusalem and into uh, Ju uh, Judah. And so Jeroboam, or Abijah, continues, But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites attend to their duties. And they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. And this was the burnt offering every morning at 9 and every afternoon at 3, 3 p.m. And they're, they're making these offerings. And this is a remembrance of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that would come about a thousand years later. And so they're already recognizing Jesus Christ coming a thousand years later. It's, that's where we're putting our faith, not so much in the ritual as it is in the faith of what it represented. They also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table and the lampstand, lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn every evening. For we keep the command of the Lord or our God. The word of the Lord. And I want to say to you today, nothing has changed when it comes to the word of God. We need to keep the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to do the Word of God. The Word is the sword of the Spirit. And we will recognize that one of these, as they used and stood by the Word of God, there are impacts and effects in the natural. And I want to say today, even more so, it will be in the supernatural that there are effects as we heed the word of God or as we don't heed the word of God. Now look, this is verse 12. Now look, God himself is with us as our head and his priests with sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you. O children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers for you shall not prosper. Now this is a, a boldness from a man, a king, that really was not a good king, but he, at, in this moment, he chose to grab a hold of the word and do the word of God. And, and even though he knew at that point, for every one of the guys that I have here, there's two over there. They've got double the power. And we're going to stand, and he's standing confidently on the word of God. And he's saying, O children of Israel, Jeroboam, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. Now, this is the, the response. So as he's talking, but Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them. So they were in front of Judah and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at front and at rear. In the front, in front of them, there was 400,000 and behind them, there were 400,000. 
And they cried out to the Lord, and the priests sounded the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. So there was this, this call to battle. Even though they were surprised, there was an ambushing of them, and there was a force that was twice their strength. They're going into battle. Confident in the God that they serve. Both. Now listen, I just I want to make a note here. The northern kingdom, they were children of God, and the southern kingdom were children of God. One of the children of God, not heeding the word of God, and the other one standing on the word of God, even though they were fewer, much fewer in number. Both the northern and southern kingdoms were children of God. May I say this? We have choice when it comes to our lives to live according to the word of God, to do battle according to the word of God, or to say, you know what, I'm going to do things in my own strength. I'm not going to heed the word of God. The word of God is powerful. And the, the, the power will impact our life. The power, in fact, of the word of God will impact the outcomes of battle. And I'm seeing that. I see that in my life, and I see that in the lives of others as those that will heed the word of God and those that do not heed the word of God. And there are different outcomes. The temptation, let me just say this, the temptation of the believer in the face of the unknown, in the face of, uh, of not knowing the outcome of what's ahead of you, and I've seen this just in the last few weeks, there is this temptation to shift and say, you know what, I'm not going to depend on God at this moment, i got to do something else, because I don't know if he's going to come through or not. And I'm telling you right now, the enemy will do whatever he can to intimidate and to have you shift your, your faith from God and his word to something else. So Abijah chooses to say, I'm going to stand on the word of God. In, in one way, it's like, he probably knew the numbers. We're way outnumbered. I've got nothing to lose. It's all or nothing. I choose to stand on the word of God. That's what he did. When you are facing an impossible situation, for goodness sake, don't you depend on the arm of flesh. Don't you go to some godless person and ask for their stinking advice, which is contrary to the word of God and is contrary to his spirit and contrary to God. Well, I'm going to depend because I don't know. Is God going to come through for me? Because I'll tell you right now, we all will face situations that would seem impossible to us, and they are impossible to us. And the thing is, am I going to stand on the Word of God, or am I going to do my own thing? Am I going to trust in the Lord? Am I going to trust in something else? That we would learn from history. So if you want to look at any 
scriptures, you read through First and Second Samuel, you read through First and Second Kings, you read through First and Second Chronicles, and you will get history of entire generations and how they dealt with things. And they're summarized by kings. The kings from the northern tribes or the northern kingdoms, kingdom and the king from the, nother, the, the southern kingdom. In fact, Abijah was followed by Asa. And King Asa from Judah actually uh, went for 41 years. He ruled for 41 years. And he did which, which was right in the sight of the Lord. Mind you, at the very end, he... We, I might speak on that yet another time. You might say, well, what does that have to do with us? I'm, I'm saying to you, the king and the priests of that time, if the king was a bad king, he either got rid of all the priests and all those that were involved with the priesthood, or he, or he changed them over to become those that would not follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but would follow other gods and idols from other lands. Like the stuff that, that Asa, and that was in, at, in place already with, with Abijah, we're talking her, horrific. And it was already in place, and, and, and we read in the next chapter of Asa coming in, King Asa of Judah, and, and what he did was there was a cleansing there's a take dealing with the different things that should not be in the land. And I want to say to you, while you still have breath, there is opportunity as a child of God in the face of battles or impossible situations, for goodness sake, clean up the mess that may be in your life that may be or, or indicating that you have nothing to do with God. Humble yourself, turn from your sins, and, and get right with, with the Lord. You want to make it through the battle. Humble yourself before him. Make it through the battle. So then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hand. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter. So 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. Half a million men from the northern of the 800,000 men, more than half of them, died that day in battle because God was on the side and is on the side of those that will trust in him and follow his ways. Thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Of who? Of David. Because they relied on the Lord God of David, they prevailed. And Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took cities from him, Bethel with its villages, Jeshana with its villages, and Ephraim with its villages. So Jeroboam did not recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. Nothing has changed from then till now, except in the meantime, we have the death 
and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what they relied on pointing to the finished work of Jesus Christ, we rely on looking back to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Today, I want you to be strengthened. Will you rely on the word of God? Will you stand on the word of God? Will you fight using the word of God? Just a few things, and I want to sh- share about using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. As you depend on the Word, you will have life and you will have light. There will be a life about you and there will be a light of understanding. I already shared that, so I don't want to st- go dwell too much on this. But John 1, verse 1 to 4 says, In the beginning was the Word, And the word was with God, and the word was God. And we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus Christ is the word. Am I going to use and depend on Jesus or not? He is the word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. You want to have life, and you want to have it abundantly, you stand on the word of God. And the life was the light of men. If you want to have understanding, the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. As you say, this fear of of the Lord is a thing of I'm going to respect and I'm going to reverence and I'm going to honor him. I'm going to take his word in. When you respect somebody, when you reverence somebody, it's not just like whatever. But there's a heeding of their word. In this case, I'm going to heed the word of the Lord. You have light, you have life, and you have light in Jesus Christ. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We have life in and through Jesus Christ, who is the word. Not only do we have life and light, just quickly, when you stand on the word of God, there will be doors opened for you in your life. You don't stand on the word of God. You do your own thing according to your own wisdom. You're so smart. I'm so smart in my own wisdom. If I go according to my wisdom, my life will falter. I will falter. I will go off track. When we stand on the word of the Lord, doors will be open for us that are impossible to be opened because they're opened by God. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. See, there's a reference back to David, a righteous king. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Why do you have an open door? Because you have little strength. Abijah recognized that his army was way inferior to the army that was coming against them. He recognized his little strength, and he says, I will stand on the word of God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I have little strength. Especially when you come to an impossible situation, don't you be complaining about, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen, and I don't know if I can make it or whatever. No, I am going to stand on the word of God. I am going to stand and depend on him 
I have little strength in myself, so I'm not going to be overwhelmed by the situation, but I'm going to trust in the Lord because I know I have little strength, so I'm going to trust in that which is of all power. So I've opened a door for you. You want open doors that no one can shut? Recognize you have little strength and place your strength, your faith in Jesus Christ. It says, and you have kept my word. If you want the power of the word of God to be applied in your life, for goodness sake, keep his word. If you want an open door, keep his word. You say, Pastor, but I don't know. Is, is, will it work out? It's going to work out when you trust in the Lord. And you have not denied my name. You recognize who I am. And your faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. You have not denied my name. You have an open door. Not only do you have life, not only do you have light and open doors, but you have protection. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me read that again. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, because I am the word, speaking the word, you hear the word that I'm saying to you and you, and you don't just hear them and, and it says, and does them. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. If you want to get through the storms of life, for goodness sake, you make sure that you hear the word of the Lord and you do the word of the Lord. Read the word of the Lord. Do the word of the Lord. You will have protection. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. You want to be overcome and overwhelmed? Hear the word of God and don't do it. The things that bother me most as a pastor is when people hear the word of God and they don't do it. And they wonder, why am I having a hard time? It's basically, it's basically like I'm going into battle and there's no sword. I don't have a sword in my hand. I'm going into battle without a sword. And all I have is defensive armor. And all I can do, like how many people are you going to overcome with a shield? The defensive weapon is this, or the offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit to overcome in times of battle. Not only do you have protection, but you have increase. You have blessing. When a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable, a sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some of the seed fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell upon, among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded good, or a crop a hundredfold. He says... When he had said these things, he cried. This cry wasn't, he wasn't weeping. It was more than, like he shouted firmly. 
at that point, there is a shouting out by the Lord to say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Take in this parable. Now, I don't know why the masses didn't come to Jesus at that point and do what the disciples did. It says, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? What does this mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. I just don't get it. I hear. I don't understand. Or whatever. Nice, nice parable, Jesus. That's all it is, a nice parable. It says in verse 11, I believe it talks about Jesus saying, the seed is the word of God. So it's the seed that's falling on these different settings, whether it's the hard ground, whether it's the stony ground, whether it's the thorny ground, or whether it's the good ground. What kind of ground are you when it comes to the word of God? Hard? And it's just plucked away by the fowls of the air? Stony ground, there's no deep root, and just with a lack of moisture, the plant withers up and dies. I see that. I see that happening with response to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people, some don't even receive the gospel. Others they receive, they just last a short period of time, and you don't hear of them anymore. There's no root. There's no depth. There's stones in their life. That, that trials and tri tribulations and temptations and even the word of the Lord saying, this is too hard. I'm not going to take the word of the Lord. That's what it says in one of the other uh, gospels. Well, I think it's whether it's Matthew or Mark says because of the tribulation that came, the, 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 the persecution that came as a result of the word, they gave it up. I see that happening. I've talked to people that have walked out saying, we will not heed this word. I'm not going to listen. And it's like, there's nothing, there's, they lose out on life with the Lord, the fullness of life that they could have with the Lord. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it. They grab a hold of it, and they bear fruit with patience. As they hang on to it, eventually there's a fruit that develops, and it grows, and it, it, it comes to fullness and ripeness, even to the extent that others will taste and see that the Lord is good. For goodness sake, in these last days, you might say, what is this all about? What is this all about? To recognize that the word of God is a sword, is the sword of the spirit, because we are going to be doing battle. And you already know that you've come across and there's been battle and there's been attack against you. And I'm not talking about flesh and blood. I am talking about demonic attack and oppression. I've had people come to me and just say, you know what? 
There's this voice saying, why don't you just give up? There's things coming into my mind. Ah, is God going to be able to see me through? I'm talking about people that are, I would figure you would assess them as being, these are strong Christians. The word of God is powerful. In Hebrews 4, verse 12 and 13, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I see this. That the word of God cuts through all the fluff of where a person, it gets right down, it cuts through the, the marrow and the bone, it gets right to the, to the heart of the matter and even to the intention of man. The thoughts and intents of the heart, why does somebody do what they do? And what I've come to find in the last number of weeks is the extreme attack on people's lives, on believers... And they are being overwhelmed and overcome because they're not standing on the word of God. They're not using the word of God. They're not even fighting against because they're, the enemy is coming against them and they cannot fight with their own strength. So I've come to recognize that the fight that we fight we need to have an offensive weapon. And I'm talking about believers that are being attacked and swayed by demonic entities. When Jesus said, I have, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, he didn't say that it was just for the unbeliever. He's also talking about the believer that there is going to be an attempt to steal, kill, and destroy from you. He goes on to say, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And how do we have that life? It is through Jesus Christ, who is the word, as we grab a hold of that word. So the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even this division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, is a discerner to find out the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This, at this time, I would say to you, for goodness sake, heed the word of the Lord. Grab a hold of the word of the Lord. Not only will it bring life to you, not only will it bring light and understanding, not only will there be open doors, not only will there be protection and blessing and increase. This last part, it says a hundredfold. As we hear the word of God, there is a hundredfold response or, or crop or harvest that comes as we hear the word of God. There is increase and blessing in the word of God. We need to recognize that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And so the battles that were given to us in the, in the, uh, the natural that we read of in these different chapters of, of history and first and second kings and first and second chronicles, and we read through those books and we recognize those that heed and hang on to the word of God and do the word of God, there is blessing and increase and protection and overcoming the enemy. 
Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, well, that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In other words, you will go through evil times. You will go through hard battles and you will make it through as you stand on Jesus Christ and who he is, his strength, his power. And you will overcome. And when you're done in the, bat the battle, you will still be standing. Hallelujah. Stand therefore. How? Having girded your waist with truth. The truth of who Jesus is. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus on you. And having, sh and having your feet shod with the, press the preparation of the gospel of peace. You are ready to share the gospel of, of, key of peace with others. That's how you live your life. You were saved by the gospel, and you are sharing. You're prepared to share the gospel of peace, and it will allow you to move forward. Above all, taking the shield of faith, my faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and every single fiery dart of the wicked one will be quenched. Because my faith is in the right thing. It's not a vague faith. It is a solid faith that can withstand even facing the facing of death. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. My testimony, my life is in Jesus Christ and his finished work, his shed blood, his broken body and shed blood for me on the cross. That is my testimony. And when it comes to facing death, it does not matter. They did not love their lives even to the death, even when facing death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You might say, how do I use the Word of God? I take the Word of God, I know the Word of God, and I hear the Word of God, and I act on the Word of God. I do the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication, not just for yourself, but for all the saints. Folks, we need to start praying for one another. Can I say this? When you don't see somebody in church for a while, for goodness sake, give them a call and start praying for them. Because I'll tell you right now, they're not heeding the word of God in the coming of the Lord. It says that we should assemble ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling together of the saints as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and especially as we see the day of the Lord approaching. When you are missing church yourself, I'm saying to those that are watching online as well, say, hey, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to assemble together with the saints. I can catch the odd service online. I'll be good. I'll tell you right now, you're not doing the word of the Lord. To assemble together, especially as we see the day of the Lord approaching. We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. And we need to undergird and lift one another up. Hallelujah. So praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. How do we use the word of the Lord? I want you to know the authority of the word of God in your life. 
2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. I've gone through this. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 3. For though we walk in this flesh, in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not made of, from the flesh or the things of the flesh. But the weapons we use are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The strongholds that the enemy may be erecting in your own life or in the lives of others, you have the authority to pull them down. When you see there are things that are influencing them and there are things that they're living by, in Jesus' name, we pull down the stronghold of greed. In Jesus' name, we pull down the stronghold of materialism. In Jesus' name, we pull down the stronghold of, of money, the God of money in that person's life. They, all they, have to, they can do is work, work, work to make sure that they make more money because they feel that's their answer. My God is the, the money that I make. I don't have time for church. Money comes first. Me making money, me deciding about how I'm going to do. In Jesus' name, we come against that stronghold of finances the God of mammon in that life, and we pull it down right now in Jesus' name. Whatever you feel is a stronghold in a person's life that is controlling them and that is deviating them from the things of the Lord, you begin to pull it down in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It says, not only can we pull down strongholds, but we can cast down arguments. The arguments that people have, the imaginations that they have, the conclusions that they've drawn. In Jesus' name, I cast down that imagination. They think that it's real and it's not. They think that it's, it's something that this is how I live and it's a mirage. You know what a mirage is? You're walking out and you, you're on. You can see I, the other day it was really hot. And it looked as I was driving along the road. You know, you have those patches. It looks, it looks like there's water out there in the middle of the street. A mirage. An imagination. You think there's a reality and there's a conclusions that have been drawn in the mind of a person. And they're, they're, they're hanging on to these things. It's like, this is foolishness. In Jesus' name, this, this conclusion that they're hanging on to, in Jesus' name, I'm confessing it, whatever it may be. The teaching... The teachings of my parents that were not correct in Jesus' name, I cast them down right now. In Jesus' name, not only can we cast down imaginations and the arguments that people have against why they should serve, serve the Lord or give their life over the Lord, start casting them down. Be specific. Not only that, but you can cast down every high thin, thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every high thing. You know what high things were in the Old Testament? There were places of worship, beautiful parks. The land was cleared, beautiful parks were, were erected, and in the midst of the park, on the high place, they would have temple prostitutes. You can read of it, and, and the next king, Asa, was pulling down. They would have huge monuments of of the male sexual organ, and they, they would be worshiping in front of it, Asherah. And there was, there was male prostitutes in the temple, and there would be all these sexual things going on. This was happening in Israel at that time. It is happening today. And there's a, 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 this fascination and this perversion of things that are, are supposed to be Fairly simple that are no longer simple anymore. 
There's a mutilating of the body. We're not fighting against flesh and blood anymore. We're fighting against the demonic entities that are propagating and pushing these things, and we can pull them down, these high things that people put above Jesus Christ. Whatever it may be, they evaluate, no, this idol comes before Jesus Christ by far. I have this idol in my life, and you have the authority in Jesus' name to pull it down. Hallelujah. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts that are not in obedience to Christ, that are floating around in a person's head. In Jesus' name, I take those, those thoughts captive. You have the authority to do it. Begin to do it in Jesus' name. And listen, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is why I'm, I'm talking about sin, perhaps. If there's an aspect of sin in your life that you're not dealing with, a lot of your, your prayers become ineffective because you, you've got stuff in your own life that you need to deal with. It says here, let me read it again. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You following Jesus? You doing his word? Sometimes our prayers aren't effective because there's stuff that we know we shouldn't be doing or there's things that we should be doing that we're not doing. And we're, we're struggling when it comes to being effective in our prayers and doing the spiritual warfare. Valiant men and women of valor because we're doing things according to what the God, God would have us do. And so now we are effective in warfare against the enemy. When you don't know what to pray, so you pray according to the word of God. There's five things mentioned here in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, 5, and 6. You can pray according to that. You can do things according to that. But when you don't know what to pray anymore, it says in Ephesians 6, 17, and we, we talked about this. You just read it. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I, I've mentioned this many times over the, even the last year, last half year. In the King James Version, the semicolon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, colon, equals the other side, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Holy Spirit. So you can pray with understanding. So I pray. I pray according to 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. I am praying the word of God with understanding. It's told me. It's given to me. And I'm going to use this passage of scripture to come against the enemy. That's praying with understanding. But when I don't know what to pray anymore, I don't know how to pray. It says to pray with Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And just to cut things short here. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Where do, when can we, how do we pray in the Spirit? This is what Satan hates the most. 
He hates when you pray with understanding according to the word of, of God. And he hates when you pray in the spirit because you are praying the word of God. It is the word of God for the moment, for the situation, according to the Holy Spirit. It is the sword of the spirit coming out at another level. It's like I'm using it one way with the understanding that I have of the word of God. Or I'm using it at a completely another level because the Holy Spirit is telling my spirit what to pray directly to God. And it's bypassing my understanding. And so I'm praying in the spirit. And the, the, the thing that the enemy will have you believe is it's not that important for you. You have a hard enough time praying with understanding if you want to go to another level, just to begin to say, I'm going to begin to pray in the Spirit. There's so many benefits to, pray, being, uh, to praying in the Spirit. To be strengthened, to be edified, to speak directly to God without any distraction. That's 1 Corinthians 14, chapter, or chapter 14, verse 2 and 4. To be having a, a, a rest and a refreshing, as you read on in that chapter. To have rest and refreshing to your spirit. To be able to worship the Lord in another, to another extent, just as they did in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 2, it says, and they heard them glorifying the Lord and declaring his marvelous works in another language, in, in, in another language that they didn't know. And there was a worship of God. But beyond that, there is also this thing of fighting in the spirit. You are fighting against demons. The enemy does not want you to use your sword. You have no sword. I'm not even going to pray. I'm not going to stand the word of God. I'm not going to stand on the word when I'm praying or anything. I don't even pray. I, I think it's a gift that only some people have to pray. I'll tell you right now, Jesus said in the last days, especially, watch and pray. It's not just for a few people that, oh, they're, they're the ones. Yeah, the pastor's supposed to pray. It's each of us needs to pray. Prayer simply is communication with God. And there's other types of prayer that is actually battle against the, uh, the, the demonic forces that you have the authority to come against. And so you begin to pray in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance. You might say, at what point do I receive the baptism or the, 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 this thing of speaking in tongues? It is the sign that comes when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. These signs will follow them. In Jesus' name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. So you're telling me I can't, I'm not going to speak with new tongues. Why? Because I don't believe in his finished work and I don't believe in the name of Jesus. That's just for a few people. I'm not ticked with you. I'm ticked with the lies of the enemy that some of you grab a hold of. That the church grabs a hold of. That entire denominations grab a hold of. The de denomination that we came out of, what beautiful history. They would look, if they would look at their history and how they started, it was with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the church flourished. I mentioned a few weeks back the, the Pentecostal Assemblies, the POC here in Canada has totally, or they have eliminated this sign 
from being from that of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They don't believe it anymore. That's how their denomination, if they look at their own history, I studied the history of the PAOC. What a wonderful, beautiful history. And it was such an expanding of the, by the power of God that out from two women, one in Toronto and one in Winnipeg in 1906, 1907, got filled with the Holy Spirit, two women, and there was an entire denomination that started that now here we are, less than, or just over 100 years later, and there are 100 and or 1,400 churches. And at this point, I was just listening to somebody, or I was just sharing or talking to somebody today. He said, I know, Pastor, you have churches that are Pentecostal, and there's no mention of the Holy Spirit anymore. No mention of the Holy Spirit. This is a Pentecostal church. They don't talk about the Holy Spirit. There's not even allowance for tongues and interpretation. There's not even allowance to pray in tongues. I'll tell you right now, one of the things, tomorrow we are getting together as the lead team or leaders of prayer force. There's 11. And so those people that we had up here, I think most of them were up here. I think there was two away that weren't there that Sunday morning. And we set them forth for ministry. We went from about 20 to 25 people that could be activated to pray up to 70 people. Some of you, many of you might be a part of a group. If you are not, I think there's a sign up. Sign up and say, I want to be added to one of these groups because I want to pray. I'm going to pray. Because we're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. This sign will follow those that believe. These signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will take authority over demons and cast them out. In the last three weeks, I was face to face with people that profess to be Christians influenced by demons. Are they believers? Yep. Are they influenced by demons? Yep. I'll tell you right now, and you know it yourself. When there's things you have, sometimes thoughts that come to your mind, and you say, where did this come from? I'll tell you right now, it's demonic in nature. It's not even of this world. It's not even of your flesh. It's demonic in origin, and there's lies and whispers to you. I, had, I just was with a, a person. They're saying, you know what? With tears in their eyes, they said, I think I need to kill myself. The thoughts of suicide are coming to me. What's the point? I'm not going to get out of it. I said, don't you accept that's a lie from, the, from demons. Can a, a, a Christian be influenced by demons? Yes. And the, can they be influenced to do things by demons? Yes. And if you let them in because of bitterness or whatever it may be, and you give a foothold and an opening for the enemy, and the enemy comes in and begins to torment you. A spirit of fear. What does spirit of fear lead to? And it is a, de a demon that comes in, and the next thing you know, you have this, this fear. You're not sure why. Suddenly you're afraid of things. You're not sure. So what happens? One of the first things that happens is, I don't know if I can trust in the Lord anymore. 
I saw this happen over the last three years. I saw people that I expected that would be not shaken, and they're shaken to the core by something, by what was going on, a spirit of fear. I can't, I cannot be around other believers. Where is that coming from? A spirit of fear that is attached to them, and they're listening to every voice and influence that that spirit is telling them. So what happens, the next thing is not only do they stop believing. I, I had, like I say, I had, this was 2020, right in the midst as COVID began and continued on. And I, I have these people sharing things with them about anxiety and fear. Believers, strong believers, to the point of saying, well, you know what? I go, not to the Lord, but I go to the doctor to deal with the anxiety in my life. And so the doctors are trying to deal with a spiritual matter with physical means because they don't deal with the spiritual. So what do they do? They start prescribing medications. Here, this will help you to overcome your fear and anxiety. I'm telling you. We're living in the last days, and the Lord is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And the Lord is coming back for a glorious church that is going to take, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I've shared this a number of times over the last number of months. What is the most precious thing that Satan has? You might say, does any, Satan have anything that is precious? You better believe he does. Because he has come to steal and he has stolen. But he has not killed yet. And he has not destroyed yet. And so he has stolen souls. And that are in his grasp. And the gates. We are coming against the gates of hell. To tear down the, the gates of hell. To break them open. To get to those that are, have been grabbed a hold of by Satan. To see that they are set free. tell you, some of them are our own brothers or sisters. You don't see them. Where are they at? The enemy's got them. They can even say, but I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, but I want nothing to do with other believers. Does that sound a little bit odd? I don't want to come... I don't want to heed this word that says not forsaking the assembling together of the saints. We pray in the spirit. We pray with understanding and we do battle in the spirit. One of the things that we need to do as we gather together is that we pray with understanding and we pray within this in the spirit, whatever way you can, that we do that. And we take that time to corporately, especially in the spirit, that we do it corporately as well. This prayer force has gone, like I say, from about 20 to 25 up to 70. We are in the process right now as we speak. We're setting up a website under Revive Niagara, and there will be a link. We'll have it set up to our own website. And that there is 24-7 prayer that goes on. And so we're almost there to get it launched. The website is being worked on, and I'm hoping that we'll have it 
up and running even in the next week or two. 24-7 prayer established, and it's not just for this church, for across this region that anybody or wherever, from wherever they're, they're from, that there will be 24-7 prayer going up to say we are going to come against the gates of Hades and the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the, the church, the glorious church. Like I say, tomorrow we're gathering together these 11 leaders, and we want to put into place what needs to be put into place. I've been praying, Lord, speak to us. The Lord is speaking. To bind and loose. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me just share something that happened. Battling those influenced by or battling demons. Even as I was going over what happened over the course of time with an individual and individuals, not just one. I recognize on, on yesterday night we were, I was at a leading a Bible study at, in a home, at a home. We're talking about the, the gifts of the Spirit, discerning the gift of discernment of spirits. And as I pondered what happened yesterday, uh, yeah, on Monday, I recognize as I was dealing with the situation that there was a switching of control from the person's spirit to a, de a demon spirit back and forth, back and forth. The person wanted to hear, and the demons were keeping the person from hearing the answer. And, and it wasn't after, until I, I, I checked and I, I, I reviewed and I, re I recognized, oh my goodness. So I was not just dealing with the spirit of the individual, but I was dealing with demonic entities that were controlling at points where there was supposed to break, be breakthrough. And I found out at the, at the very end, you cannot argue with a demon. You do not argue with demons. And, I, and it was confirmed as, the, as these demons wanted to argue through this person. I just, like we, we're talking, I, it had gone on for about two and a half hours already. Extreme. It was only when I began to pray in Jesus' name. I'm just praying calmly in Jesus' name. I bind. It says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I'm going to back you. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I began to bind. In Jesus' name, I bind that foul spirit that is lying. You know what happened? Here's what happened. Immediately, I don't know if the person heard me, but the demons heard me. Because they shut right up, and they right away, they, it was like they forced the individual to leave and to run, to get out of there. Because they were saying, no, I don't want the pastor. And so I, I recognized one of the mistakes I'm learning. So I'm saying to you, you do not argue with the spirit. In Jesus' name, I command you, foul spirit, to get out of this individual 
person, this lying spirit, get out. Or whatever the spirit is controlling them, get out in Jesus' name. Just you command them to go in Jesus' name. Because you have the authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. Lord, I loose this person from the bonds of this, this demon that's, that's controlling them. So, I thank the Lord that he, that we do not have to be afraid. You cannot, once again, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. We are fighting against these, and we have the authority to cast them out in Jesus' name. Those that believe in what he did for us on the cross, in Jesus' name, you will cast out demons. You have authority to do that. Hallelujah. I know it, took, it was a little bit longer today, but to set up, I just want to close with this. I want to pray. I want you to be in agreement with, the, with me. Because one of the things that I want is that each and every one of you is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't fight it. Don't fight Jesus. Don't fight the Father. Don't fight the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we're not talking about minor issues. We're not talking about things of no importance, but we're talking about souls that will spend eternity apart from you. We are talking about the enemy that has these souls. We're talking about doing what you've asked us to do, that we're, we're do going into battle. And Lord, just as Ace, uh, Abijah said, I'm, I'm going to trust in the Lord because I have nothing else to lose. That we would trust in the Lord in this. That we would work, walk according to your word. That we would live according to your word. That we would deal with the sin in our life. And that we would be prepared to do battle in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that there will be a desire to be full of your word and to be doers of your word. To, to hunger after your word, to thirst after your word, to have life and to, to take it in and to do it and to flourish in your word. Lord, I pray there would be a desire to be filled with your spirit to overflowing, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, to be equipped with this sign that is so beautiful and is so powerful. Lord, that even when it comes to battle, that we can pray in the Spirit, make all supplication and prayer in the Spirit for all saints. That we can do battle in the Spirit, according to the Spirit. Lord, in Jesus' name. So I pray that there would be an outpouring of your Spirit upon each person, that they would desire the promise of the Father in their life. That they would come to you, Jesus. You are the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. They will follow you out in the water all the way so you can't stand any further. And Lord, that you would baptize them, that they would be moving in the power of the Holy Spirit wherever they go. It brings life. In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray this. Lord, I pray for such power. Lord, I cover each one with your precious blood. Even the weakest person, the wayward person, I, I cover them with your precious blood. Lord, you will keep them covered. And Lord, that we will do battle 
knowing that every fiery dart of the enemy is quenched because our faith is not in ourself. Our faith is in your righteousness. Our faith is in your body broken and your blood shed for us. And every fiery uh, arrow is quenched. And we move forward in the power of your spirit, using the sword of the spirit, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And Lord, we're running forward with the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. We just thank you and we praise you. Lord, that we will bind and loose because you've given us authority to do that. And Lord, there will be a mighty harvest taken in yet. Lord, I pray there would be a heart to do battle. Lord, you are the word to use the sword of the spirit, to have the, the sword of the spirit and to use the sword of the spirit with understanding and in the spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I just pray blessing on each and every one on this body of believers and on the body of Christ in this city and across this region. Lord, I pray for the weakest church, the dead churches that will come to life. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray this, Lord, that we will come to life. We will flourish in you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I give you all the praise and the glory. All the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at LighthouseNiagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.